Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You smell something? Put that cookie Hello and welcome down. to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. I'm Johnstar. We're filmmakers, we're fans, and we are fighting dragons, saving princesses, and winning the day. Because we're talking about the hero's journey today. The I need a hero. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was thinking there. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to find a hero. <laughs> Looking out for a when hero, a hero the comes the along with the strength to carry on. <laughs> now I finally re- see the truth that a hero. Loves. Now I'm just remembering the way way back when Sam Rockwell says it to the kids. <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's oh like, my god, that like, scene is fucking brilliant. It's amazing scenes. Like I need a hero. A hero. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's such an underrated movie. Such a good movie. Uh, but as always, before we get to the main topic, we'll ask, "What have you been watching?" And Josh, what have you been oh, watching? Oh, again. Okay, I've been watching. Uh, I watched this really late at night on Netflix. It's um, called Bullethead. So, have any Bullet, he- Bullet head. to the head? Bullethead. Is this the one where it's the whole movie is upside down? No. What? No. Okay. No. It's about a guy who gets shot in the face and it's like fucks his brain up and so he sees everything upside down and so the movie's played upside down. Well, this movie, it's... Um, it feels uncomfortable. It does, it's, not, it's not that. It's a, like an American um, Bulgarian like crime thriller. Okay. So, um, stars uh, Adrian Brody, um, Antonio Banderas, and John Malkovich. And Malkovich, Malkovich, Malk- Malkovich, <laughs> Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. And there's one of the um, Macaulay Culkin's like brother or something in it as well. Oh, Kieran Culkin. No, it's not Scott Pilgrim. No, it's no, not Kieran other, Culkin. I, I thought I thought it was Is Kieran. another Culkin. There's another Culkin. I was no, like, like, it's, like the, it's like breeding. the fourth Hemsworth brother. That no, no and I was like, it's like, wait, and the third Olsen twin. Yeah, I was no, like, no, sorry, <laughs> the fifth Olsen twin. I was, I was like, going to say there is a third Olsen. No, they have, they have, jo- they have jokes in Thirty Rock about like the fourth Olsen twin, and then there's jokes about Jesus. the fourth Hemsworth brother and like uh, Kimmy Schmidt, I think. Oh, interesting. Well, anyway, this this movie is. Set in one location again. Um, it's about these like free cr- criminals that like uh, after like a kind of a failed heist, they like camp out at this like abandoned warehouse. But it ends up being an old dog fighting ring, and uh-huh. there is one dog left that is big and angry mean. and mean. And there's really also be frail and starving though, wouldn't he? Ah, uh, well, there's a reason why he's not. Oh, supernatural uh, reason? No, it's not supernatural oh, okay. reason. It's actually like a logical <laughs> you reason. Just lost shame. There's yep. a logical reason why it's not. So it's kind of like a, like a little, like kind of like a monster movie, but it's not at the same time. It's very interesting. Um, Promises are good. The dog. It's, very, it's kind of sad actually. I, I was like, I was like going into. It, I was like, oh, this is gonna be fun, and I was like, no, this is hitting me over the head with like dog related like material. Are you vegan now, Josh? No. <laughs> I will eat that 
delicious meat. Delicious uh, dog meat. Uh, no, not that far. So check it out if you're interested. Uh, it's interesting. I, I just stumbled upon it. Uh, and another film I watched is I'm So Excited, which is um, Pedro... Pedro Almodovar. Oh, wow, Armando. about the plane stuck in, in loops. Yeah, stuck I want to see loops. that one. I still haven't yet. It's on Wait. Stan. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was, was going to say, did Netflix you watch well. it in international cinema? Because we just watched the trailer no. and it looked amazing. No, I watched, it, uh, I watched the trailer back in... Um, screen genre studies, and I was like, I need to watch this movie. Oh, okay, cool. And then Did I you like it. Yeah, I really liked it. It's, it's so good. There is an entire scene which is the song "I'm So Excited," where the <laughs> cabin crew actually dances to the song, uh-huh. and it's amazing. And it's a very it's, obviously it's Pedro. So it's very funny, um, very um, camp, camp, uh, women focused, um, very sexual, and like yeah. I do. I want to just sit down and do all of his because I don't think I've seen any single Pedro Almodovar oh, really? movie yeah. yet. I watched oh. this one, uh, Chancellor, you can help me here. The, the one about his, the mother. mother. Um, I forget the title. The one with the mother. Yeah. The, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the name of the mother. It's the name of the son, isn't it? No, I can't Mia remember. Mia Madre. I, yeah. oh, I, know the, I know of the movie. I keep getting yeah. it marked up with uh, I Killed My Mother, which is another yeah, French that's, um, movie. That's one of his more serious ones, but it's also very good. But this one's very lighthearted and it's yeah. like, it's an easy watch. Literally, you can watch it and enjoy it. Um, Antonio Banderas is in it again. Um, and the guy from Sense8. Miguel Angel Silvestra. Yeah, and so yeah, I won't spoil it for you, Shane. Just, just enjoy it when you can. Okay, um, and that's it for me. I am done. Chancellor, what are you watching? Cool. Um, so I've watched uh, quite a few things this week. No, not really. Um, I started off with a uh, fist fight, which is um, oh, uh, um, Charlie, Charlie, yeah, Charlie Day, and nice really cube. good movie. Really good. Uh, I'm pretty sure Wait, I what, accidentally. Really? came to your house one time, Shane, when you were watching it Wait. and I saw the end of it. So I knew what yes, happened. You, did. Hold on, hold on. you watched hold the movie in like hold reversal. Hold on. Did, did you both just say a really good movie? I had a lot of fun with you it. You didn't like it? But no. No. Oh, See, cool. I went in no. with really low expectations though. That often helps. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Funny so that. did I. It still wasn't good. <laughs> well, I liked it. Well, what do you like one, about Josh? it? I'm actually curious. Like... I don't know. Uh, I, I found like uh, the I found the fact that it was all based in one day really interesting. I, I didn't feel like it was paced well though because I always <laughs> felt like it like in the next scene I'm like oh it's the afternoon now but it's like no it's still the morning. I'm like what the fuck's happening with time? But I, I like the fact that it was all based in one day. I found it funny. <laughs> um, mm. And yeah, Charlie Day is great. I, I really like Charlie Day, though. I, oh, I, I, I love Charlie Day, but I reckon his comedy, find, comedy's better in Always Sunny than I in that Charlie movie. I find Charlie Day infinitely watchable. I also thought that actress, she's the young, she's the teacher who's hitting on the student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. The one, she's from Workaholics. She's yeah. fucking hilarious. She's hilarious. I just yeah. found it like, I was just like, it's a good high concept comedy because we don't get yeah. enough of them very often. Game Night is obviously a much better version of oh, the high yeah, concept no, comedy. No problem. No, infinitely no better. But like, I, I really dig that as a movie. I find them really fun, just popcorn movies. Yep. It's not a perfect movie, but no, oh no, of course not. Yeah. Um, I watched Game Over Man, which is a Sir? Netflix original. Oh, I actually forgot to mention. Yeah, okay, let's discuss. How'd, how'd you forget that, man? Because. Uh, I was, I was like, it's okay. So yeah, it, like there were bits of it that I really liked. Um, like the fact that we saw Adam Devine's penis so fucking much. I've had my like... And his butthole. And his butthole. We've seen it all. Like I, I didn't think I now needed to see it. Now at the my list. <laughs> 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 no, fair enough. Good, good reason to watch the movie. Um, I think I've had my lifetime full of seeing penises though because I've seen so much penis in that movie. Just and the, penis, and penis, then penis. Just the... Uh, the one cock that gets thrown around, literally. Yeah, yeah that, um, that one. The, but 
my thoughts on it was like I didn't really like it as much because I thought it was kind of like a circle jerk of themselves. Like we're so good. Yeah, we're like, oh, it absolutely we're, was. We're, we're a comedy like do like trio that we love <laughs> each other. I felt like. They had an R rating, so they felt the necessity to tell you every five fucking seconds. By the way, we have an R rating. Did, you, did we mention we got an R rating? Look at a penis. We have an R rating. Fuck, yeah. we have a penis. R rating. Want to see a butthole? R rating. I was like, I fucking get it. This, one, this won't spoil the movie or the context of why it's happening, but a guy literally eats ass. Yeah, a guy literally eats ass in it, and uh-huh. I really want to know how they shot that scene because I'm like looking at it going, For real? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, they, they must have. Body um, doubles? If buddy, that's still oh, people even, eating us. Well, look, short bus did it. So true, true. What um, short bus? Give me a, John Cameron Mitchell. Oh, no, no. Wait, you, you haven't fucking seen and, Hedwig and the Young Grinch. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's just filled with a bunch of like very unfunny cameos as well. Yeah, the cameos like, were weird. Um, um, and also, uh, at the very start, they made this obvious joke. It was like, oh, that character's going to come out as gay, and it's so obvious. Yeah. So like it so wasn't going to be funny when it came. When he when he came out, it was kind of funny the way they did it. Mm. Um, Shane, how much are you going to care if I spoil this? Oh, I won't care that much. <laughs> Zero. Okay. Okay. So pretty much when he comes out, it's it's like it, it, I didn't feel like they earned the moment where he came out because like there was no build up to it. No. He was just like, "Look, guys, I have to say something," because they were just about to like go and attack the guys, and they were like, and he was like, "Look." Uh, I don't know how to say this. And I'm like, we know you're gay. And he's like, what? And it's like, look, yeah, we, we're kind of busy. Okay. We know it. Sorry. You don't have your big moment. Which could but- have been funny, but they even over- overplayed that. Yeah. They, yeah. they went too long for it. I like the fact that they're like, it's like you're drunk thing. Every mm. time you're drunk, you mm. tell us you're gay. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you <laughs> ever tell us? There? Yeah. Good. If it ended there, it would have been fine. Mm. Uh, and then from that point on in the movie, his character was effeminate. And I was like, why? Yeah, it was, it was just, like to yeah. be fair. Yeah, they already had two great gay characters as the henchmen. The henchmen were fucking hilarious. They were hilarious, but but because they were just a gay couple, yeah. they were henchmen. Yeah. That's all you need. That's they didn't have to be effeminate, but, and they fucking weren't. Yeah. And then the main character who's gay, no, nah, let's make him effeminate because yeah, and he has to like fight by like slapping. Yeah, and to fight like, slapping. What the fuck? Did, like, oh, and he's like, oh no, you didn't. Like, what? Well, no. As we Crap. know that when gay people come out as gay, they no longer can perform fists. Mm. <laughs> ah. It's just yeah, I. It, 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 there were problems with it. It was funny enough. I won't I watch it again. I just prefer Workaholics as like a show. Like they, their comedy is much better there. Like I don't know what the <laughs> fuck they're doing. Um, I did like. Uh, when they basically dress them up as like a robot type of thing. That was like, fucking that, ridiculous. That, that was, was the point where I, lo- I lost it in the movie. I'm yeah. like, that took like five seconds to do. How, how do they have the time? Oh to yeah, do that? The, time, the timing's fucked, but yeah. Um, I watched uh, The Death of Stalin. I uh, won Love tickets to that. Uh, hashtag review Brisbane. What the barreling fuck? Oh, it, it was so fun. Uh, right. I, I really want those guys to make more historical dramas. Kind of like how Drunk like, History literally does. Literally when I saw that yes. movie, I was like, can yes. we do more biopics like this? Absolutely. Where I we want- don't give a fuck about Futon, reality. Futile and Stupid Jester, like that. Yeah. Like Death of Stalin. Like interesting biopics. Um, I want to see them do uh, a re- uh, uh, an American remake or a British remake, whatever. A fucking remake of Downfall like that. That would be amazing. Yes. <gasps> we have to. We should just. We should do it with Australian history. My God, we the Emu take, Wars. The yeah. Emu Wars. Yes, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> Ready. 
Um, I watched uh, Central Intelligence, just a fuck over oh, Shane. Okay. Why? Fuck. Okay. Why? I'm with Shane on this Why? one. I fucking hate this movie. I haven't even watched it. I have no desire. It's the two of the, my least favorite people in the leads in a <laughs> plotless story. If you don't get it yet. Shane really hates Kevin Hart. In the oh, I know. <laughs> um, uh, like, I, I love The Rock. I think he's very charismatic. I, I don't know why. I that's feel all like he has, though. He has nothing he's else. Not he's not even charismatic because he's not charismatic in Jumanji. I haven't seen Jumanji. I haven't seen Jumanji. Yeah, but yeah, the um, the, what is it? I feel like this generation of wrestlers turned actors because, like, I don't like Hulk Hogan. Uh, no. I don't like who else was before John him. Cena. No, John, John Cena. Cena's I funny. fucking love. He's like he he's should not funny. be as good as he is. Yeah. I feel like the standard is very low. That is I haven't true. Seen him in anything that I've liked? I've seen him stuff where I'm like, yeah, that's possible. Apparently, Blockers is pretty good, but the trailer was just like when you like accidentally farts beer back up into the guy's face. I was just like, yeah, I'm not seeing this movie. I and I'm one who normally likes toilet humor. I can stand it, and that right. was just like, why is that a thing? Because butt chugging's a thing, man. But yeah, um, central intelligence. But yeah, no, I, I didn't dislike it. It was. I watched it right after watching Fist Fight. Fist Fight was infinitely better. Yes. So that's really low. Just standard, Josh. Um, no, it's just, oh, yeah, all the comedies you mentioned are just like, uh. Yeah, it, it, it was fine. I didn't and, hate it. And but. it wasted um, very talented actors' um, time, I reckon. Uh, oh, uh, I won't spoil one? it. Fist Fight or Central Intelligence? Central Intelligence, the end. The, the spoil m- it, I don't care. W- which, which actors? Aaron Paul. Oh, right, Aaron Paul, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was completely predictable, by the way. Yeah. Though, I will admit, I did like the fact that he did the same thing The Last Jedi did, how it had, like, the same three, uh, the same scene yeah, three times. Yeah, it was like Rashomon type. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. liked that, because, like, after the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is clearly because Rock is like a child in his mind. Because mm-hmm. when he says bye to Aaron Paul for the last time ever, Aaron's like, see a man, I love that guy. And then he blows up and dies. And then when you see it from Aaron Paul's point of view, he's like, yeah, whatever, just bye. I liked that, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, that was probably the best part of the movie. Uh, and and Ready Player One, which we'll talk about later. We'll talk about. Uh, so I saw. What are you watching? Oh, oh, thank you, Josh. Uh, I saw a documentary from 1992 called Visions of Light about cinematography. Oh, that's fine. And it charts the history of cinematography from basically the Ooh. beginning of cinema up until Jaws. And but where's really it available? Cool is, I'm gonna watch it. Is it good? Uh, you'll have to get it through maybe less than scrupulous means because it's a PBS <laughs> television documentary. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. But it's really it's it's like I mean all these film documentaries they never go into proper technical detail but it's really interesting because i've got a whole bunch of movies where i'm like watch that movie what i need to watch that movie you need to like it gave me some really good stuff to why, look at why are they afraid to talk shop just like just, because it bogs it down oh, and they're like normal because they make documentaries for normal audience they don't make it for filmmakers but anyway what's really cool about this one is they have people who are like camera assistants on citizen kane on oh, this wow. talking about how Holy it was shot shit. they have rod uh, uh uh conrad hall who's my favorite cinematographer of mm. all time uh, on it because this was this was like nearly a decade before he did American Beauty and sort of to the end of his life. Uh, they've got it's, they chart the history and it's really interesting and they give you a lot of names of movies. Obviously, Orson Welles comes in up in it like so many times because he changed cinematography every time he made a fucking movie. <laughs> but it's good. It's nice. It's it's. I want more detail, but. Okay. It gave me a lot of stuff to look at, oh, think great. about. Um, another documentary I watched is called The Director and the Jedi. And <gasps> I've been really wanting to watch it's this. It's the behind the scenes oh, from The Last God. Jedi and it oh, is cool. fucking amazing. It's like a full hour and a half long documentary and it's really good and it's really beautifully shot. Yeah, I found um, out they were shot on an Aria mirror and it looks 
great. They should, it's a documentary in two, three, five aspect ratio. And it's really it's like you'll be seeing the staggering detail of stuff they did for the last year. It's yeah, yeah, they don't hold back on things maybe not going right or Ryan Johnson maybe not being the perfect person at times. It's really, really good. And just, there's a really very touching Carrie that. Fisher moment in uh, it. Yeah, I just saw that um, the exit from it when like uh, Mark Hamill just breaks down after like filming the. The burning of like the Jedi text yeah, scene. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is, oh. uh, it's it's good. Uh, it's very worth watching. It's on the Blu-ray, and I'm, I want to watch his commentary on the Last Jedi now too Ooh. because that. And be- there's a version of the Last Jedi he's releasing on the Blu-ray that's just the score. It's a special feature, but it's kind of hidden in it. Um, And then I watched, uh, I'm going to harp on it again because it's The Good Fight, the television show. Yeah, of course. The writing on this show is phenomenal and Christine Baranski is phenomenal. She can do no wrong. And what's really interesting is as a legal show, um, I watched this other pilot this week called For the People and it's a law show about and they basically got like a whole bunch of young people and some are on the district attorney's side and some are on the public defenders and so it's like they basically pit main characters against each other in court for the whole series and I watched that pilot and we just watched The Good Fight and I was just like, yeah, The Good Fight has set the standard so high I cannot watch another legal drama. I can't even get into suits. Everyone loves suits. I cannot get into mm-hmm. suits because The Good Wife and The Good Fight are so fucking good that... I, I just I get really bored See, really fast. This is why I watch so much shitty stuff. It keeps my standards low. You need to watch the good wife. No, yeah, because yeah, that's why you watch shitty. Stuff. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Christine, Brand, like they had an episode where they had like a ricin scare in the office, and it's the way they do. It. And then they did another one recently where they did a Rashomon thing, where it's like hey, two different yeah. perspectives, yeah. and just the way they execute it in the show, visually, writing wise, performance wise, it's so good. I cannot harp on enough about that show because it's amazing. Uh, and then I saw A Quiet Place last night. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> Lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> the, the, I, the first like 30 minutes, I wasn't 100% sold because visually the camera works not, and this is my only biggest complaint, is that the camera works maybe for the first half of the movie not really assured. It's still a bit unsure. That he cuts a bit too much. There's a bit too much coverage. The camera's kind of moving for no real reason. But once it gets into it, it gets into it, and the tension and the suspense in this movie is fucking phenomenal. I was... I I clenched so much during like there's like a middle 20 minute sequence. I clenched so much. My toes went numb. And then by the end of the movie, I'm walking out and like this part here, the sort of the upper abdomen area, I, I, cause I was like curled up and tense. I was sore. I was physically sore from how tense I was in this movie. So why go to the gym? Just watch the quiet place. Just watch the quiet place. Yeah. Fucking abs. (laughs) It's really good. The sound design is perfection. There is. I don't think there's a better sound design movie. Just in the last, I don't even know. Just it's so good, and sound, a movie like that needs good sound. Sound design. design is something that horrors really need, and that's why I'm always surprised that Oscars don't go for horror movies to sound design because they always go mm. to the action or the war movie. Ugh. The loudest movie wins. Want to know an interesting thing about the Quiet, a Quiet Place though? Guess who produced it? Oh, it's going to Michael be Michael Bay. Bay. Yeah. Because he had a relationship with John Krasinski via 13 Hours. Yeah. Right. Cool. Secret Soldiers of Benghazi or whatever the hell it was. Uh, Very but, long title. No, yeah. Quiet Place is, and the performance is great. Emily Blunt does a phenomenal job. I can't spoil things. Like, like I can't tell you about why it's so good without spoiling things, but she, awesome. I mean, all of these actors are pretty much acting without talking. And they have this wow. young daughter in it. 
and she like where the fuck did she come from she is incredible and then there's like a, a younger kid who's you know anyway it's a great movie it's currently like for me it's tied with love simon but love simon's very personal reasons it, it's for me it's the movie to beat for the year it's sure. that good awesome it's really that good uh and then i saw a wrinkle in time directed yep. by ava duvernay <sighs> it's good i get why people don't like it because it's a movie that functions on dream logic in the same way that mother does and it's weird because they're thematically right, right, right. about similar things and a lot of people are hating on wrinkle in time because it runs on dream logic yeah um that being said there are moments where you're like this is a really dumb choice why did this whole thing happen that clearly caught... Like, I don't think the movie should have cost $100 million. I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't see all of that money up on the screen. There's like a whole sequence. There's like a sequence where they travel to a planet and they're like, we need to see the dad was apparently here and so Reese Witherspoon turns into a giant leaf and they all hop on the leaf and they fly up into the sky then they see an evil thing and then they come back down right where they left off and like, well, he's not here, let's go. And you're just like... Why did this entire sequence exist? It, it, it is, it's problematic, but visually there's some really cool things. It's already, despite the fact that it hasn't made its money back yet, it is already the highest grossing movie by a female of colour director, which is tragic that that is... Wow, that's depressing. It's depressing. Yeah. We need more, 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 more. And so there's a lot of things to appreciate in it. Yeah. It does have its problems. I think, though, if people went into it understanding it runs on dream logic, it's a lot easier to comprehend why the movie is maybe not as coherent as like an A to B to C to D to E. So I, I didn't see it, but uh, my wife did. She liked it. Does that mean Chanel's going to like Mother? Should I get her to watch Mother? <laughs> she might have a lot of trouble with Mother. <laughs> oh Thematically, they're the same and they run on that dream logic. Mother it gets fucked up. I will it's get her to watch Mother. Up. Got it. Um, and then Ready Player One. <laughs> yes. Steven Spielberg's new movie. I went in so wary because I'd read the book. And yeah, we, things, we'd both read the book. The we're... problems with the book. There were things that I liked in the book. I think their smartest decision was to basically deviate from the book yeah. almost from the get-go and pretty much the only thing they maintain is the setting, the character names and like the basic elements of like the setup of it being a treasure hunt, three yeah. keys, three gates. They changed the There concept. were no three gates. The three gates were right next to the keys. It was like they get the key, the gate's right there. Uh, whereas in the book it was oh, the right. gate is a completely different thing. There were six steps to get the Easter egg. That's right. Yeah. Oh. And pretty much the only one that was the same was the last one, kind of, which was uh, well, I'm pretty sure in the book it was every console ever made with every single game. So he immediately went to the Atari and did adventure. Spoiler yeah. Yeah, alert. Yeah, 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 that was in the house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what's the one where he had to play war games? We had to play Be through war the games. That was war, the shining one. Uh, uh, so they do the Overlook Hotel sequence was my favorite bit in that whole movie. It was really well done. It I was, love the fact that the visual style completely changed at that point. Like, yeah, uh, yeah you, they, I, they, I think you I was had that film this, I, I was almost certain they actually took film from The Shining and spliced it in because there were moments where I was like like the the start of the elevator blood, the start of like the shot of the the, the right, I was just like, I feel like they're, they're the, doing it. The naked woman in the tub. Yeah, um, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure that was the original footage. And, and then they covering just up spliced, the, yeah, 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 they spliced it in because that was, it was, there was. It, it, like, it, to me, I'm like, this looks like the original footage. Are they going to show titties? And then the <laughs> yeah, arm was gone. I was like, oh, nice work. But it was, I found it really fun. I thought his visual style worked really well and he did some really smart things to keep the visual 
of the the game world and the real world and keep them in tandem was really mm. smart as opposed to just going all the games and then making the game world look fake. He gives the skin this texture, this, yeah. how his hair is moving like it's underwater and then she's like zaps it and then it's not. like, uh, it, like it, was, it was windy. He went to the windy setting. Oh, I didn't know that. Was that was like the first thing that the movie is like, oh, I can change my hair and it's like, boom, make it windy, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't read the windy thing but and it didn't focus on here's this thing that you remember, here's this thing that you remember. It was very anti Nostalgia porn as well, which I liked. Which was surprising, it's good considering it's like, the book. The book is the music. Uh, on the other hand, was nostalgia porn. To oh, the Alan Silvestri. How was Alan Silvestri? And he literally yeah. references himself all the way through. Oh, it. Sorry, yeah. Kent's Back to the Future. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even realize your oh, fucking God, shirt. I'm wearing, yeah. I'm wearing a Back to the Future shirt. Yeah. He does that. Dun, 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 and he also goes that. Yeah, yeah. But it was good. I had that. That would have. That it was a lot of fun in the cinema. I was very yeah. glad I got to see that one. But A Quiet Place is... I saw Quiet Place right after Ready Player One and I'm like, oh, A Quiet Place is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is the hero's journey? The hero's journey. Because we've heard this kind of... We hear this phrase, if you've been to film school, you'll have absolutely heard it. What about you guys? Wherever you heard it? Where have you heard about it? Oh, God. I think I heard about it... Back in high school, yeah, or something? it's like really study of like mythology or any sort of like narratology, like story type exercises. It's like what like Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, like this is what it is, or like the monomyth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like a story arc, a very typical story arc that's present in just about every kind of narrative ever made. Yeah, mm. well, not a, every narrative, like sort of like just the, about the journey. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. journey of the hero. There's um, the facing- um, there was a video game called I'm pretty sure The Journey, and it is a very <laughs> literal representation of the hero's journey hmm. and like you don't realize that straight away unless someone's told you and i was like i was playing it i'm like wait a minute i mean i'm getting pushed back i can't go there but that's not my choice but i'm literally being oh this is the hero's journey and uh, then you play through it and you're like oh no, no it totally is mm, yep. and it's usually part of those big mythic stories that we usually see in blockbuster cinema and sort yep. of best-selling book series yep. as yes well. yeah um, and like you said, it's like it's the, it's the mono myth and Joseph Campbell. So when, when yeah. did you come into knowing about Joseph Campbell? Have you heard that? Yet? Have you heard I, that? I've, oh, yeah. I've heard of Joseph thing. Campbell because I know he's the one who he's the one who came up with the hero. Yeah, he came up with. He studied it. He concept. Yeah. So he was inspired by Native American stories, oh. and he mm. wrote a book. He wrote several books, but the one that sort of become became iconic was the hero with a thousand faces mm-hmm. it's called that's the one uh aka the monomyth and it's it's this idea that there's this story arc that's permeated every culture regardless of race and tradition this monomyth that exists in yep. like humanity's subconscious and it's really bizarre Typically because we're, we're sort of like creatures of a habit almost in, this, in a lot of structural senses so like the the myth like the monomyth it's like it's like the departure and then slash separation and then the... So I've, like, got, a, I've got a quote from him, the ooh, exact okay. thing that he calls it. This is sort of the boil down. It's a hero ventures forth from the world of mm. common day into a region of supernatural wonder. Yep. Fabulous forces are there encountered and a decisive victory is won. The hero comes back from this mysterious yep. adventure with the power to bestow boons on his fellow man. Yep. Uh, obviously, that it's yeah, departure, initiation, return. Yeah, so I got the, the, so he free. broke it down into these chapters, and I've got these two. I don't know if our audience will be a bit bored. I'll try and list them as fast as I can. But there's <laughs> the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, supernatural aid, crossing the first threshold, belly of the whale, uh, the road of trials, meeting with the goddess slash love, temptation, atonement with the hero's father, peace and fulfillment before the hero's return, also known as apotheosis, the ultimate boon, refusal of the return, magic flight, rescue from without, return, 
Master of Two Worlds, Freedom to Live. Man, what a great story. Right. <laughs> yes. It's just... <laughs> Um, but Weeping. yeah, those are the chapters. I mean, they, they're all pretty self-explanatory and you see like, you know, and supernatural aid isn't always supernatural aid, especially if it's like, I mean, something like Harry Potter, of course it's there. It's, yeah. it's, uh, Hagrid comes in. Yeah. Hagrid's the first sort of wizard to come into his life. It's in, sort of like that mentor character. Yeah, yeah like in the, the Matrix. The, the, old, the Matrix, it's Morpheus. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi in The yeah. Lord of the Rings, it's Gandalf. You know, it's very, very common. So... You, and you've seen that thing where like Star Wars, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are the same story. Did, yeah. you, did you guys see those memes? Um, mm-hmm. I saw the Star Wars and Harry Potter one where they were like, they where they just crossed the plot the and they cross yeah. it out and write another character name yeah. on top of it. Yeah. I always found those really weird because it's like, well, that's kind of not, the, like that's, that, that's the point. Yeah, it's like it's like you're not you didn't mm. you haven't stumbled upon some yeah you know like Illuminati have been yeah, controlling yeah, our it's, lives. It's just structure, but it's not content. Yeah, it's content the, it's the different. same dramatic trajectory and character arcs slash archetypes that are present. Yeah. Mm. But it's in the same way that um, Up and Inception are the same movie because they're both about a man grieving the loss of his wife. He can't get over it, and through the aid of a young, precocious teenager is able to overcome it and realise that he needs to let go of the past and move on. And that's up and inception of the exact same <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like a flaw. And that's why I've always found really weird with people. It's the, sh- it's the shape of a story. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, like um, Josh said, it's, it's like it's form, it's not content. Mm. It's structure, it's not content. And yeah. I, like when I hear these things, when I write something, you use it as a, tool you don't use yeah. it as a rules per se yeah. Yeah. use it as a tool so you're like oh you take these things you structure in that way but you especially don't have to. in the same oh, sorry you go oh, especially if you want to break it as well like you can yeah. like can we go if anyone who writes anything usually you lay out a structure for yourself you want to know where your beats are where you want to go with a story and whether that's following the hero's journey you're like the free act structure or like versus the five act structure wherever you want to lay it out with it's like you that's going to be present in any, everyone's writing but it's just your content that is differing. Like, yeah. yeah and the thing is, is it's the shape it's the actual literal shape of a story so all the three act structure is the shape of story and the five act structure is also mm. you can it, they're not tools for they're tools for looking at a story you can look mm. at it in terms of the hero's journey and find those things in, in pretty much anything and the thing is is that you can deviate from the hero's journey but the more you deviate from that pattern the the less the further away it is from a narrative film, experimental films being like the polar opposite to the hero's journey. Yeah. Because yep. um, Dan Harmon, we'll talk about him a little later, but he... The story circle. Yeah, the story circle. He said that it's not that it's a, this is this is how a movie should go. It's just that's what the shape of the story is. It's like you can make a spaghetti bolognese, but and you can take out the you can take out tomato and you can do it with barbecue sauce, you can do this, but eventually once you take Whoa, it, once hold you take the it, fuck up. You put barbecue sauce in your spag bolognese. That's a terrible spag bolognese. I'm just saying one there's a point where you've taken out so many ingredients it's no longer spaghetti bolognese. And it's the same thing with this. You t- can deviate from the form, but once you're further away from it, the less recognizable it is as a story yeah. and this isn't just in cinema this is in books this is in television this is mm, in video games everything. like any storytelling devices yeah so can the hero's journey work on small and intimate settings that is the question as opposed to saving the world from from, well, from ben I, mendelson i would <laughs> ben mendelson i would um, say yes because like it's a story uh they they don't 
like they, they would seem that way in a very micro level. You're like, oh, you know, th- they're not going to the thing. Like you could have this story about it's, getting fucking milk from the fridge. Yeah, well, it's still the like- The call to the milk and then you're like, oh. Mm. The refusal to call. Do I really want milk? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This sort of like transitional moments between an ox that you need to undertake. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, for, like, I mean, absolutely. And it often makes them better. As opposed to, so a lot of like those indie smaller movies can become really circular and uneventful slash boring, like the the movie Garden State with Zach Braff, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which yeah. I do not enjoy mm-hmm. at all, and something like um, Brooklyn, which I've brought up on this podcast a couple of times before, it's like a prime example of a really traditional hero's journey to the point where she literally takes a journey somewhere and returns home, like it's very physically representative, yeah. and there's the death of the mentor, all those steps are there very clearly, mm. but it's on this really tiny like almost to a T it's, it's like an intimate drama of essentially about moving out of home yeah it's not about saving the world from doom and the giant eye on the top of a tower and John Hughes I think was like the king oh absolutely of the intimate hero's journey yeah mm. like uh, uh, Ferris Bueller or what's the other one you know he did it with Breakfast Club and like a four way split yeah he's it, it, it works absolutely because it's the sh- yeah like you said it's the shape of a story, when to not use the hero's journey? No, let's see. This is, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because, like, oh god, I can't even. <laughs> this is great radio. Experimental <laughs> films for one. Oh yeah, uh, which I think I think a lot of people, a lot of filmmakers, I encounter either they either really into experimental films and they hate traditional narrative, or they love traditional narrative and they get really bored in experimental films. I feel like they should complement each other. Yeah, definitely. And you can always, like, some I can recommend, uh, there's Meshes of the Afternoon by Maya Deren, which they made us watch in high school and I actually liked it, which was, that was uh, Miss, I can't even remember the redhead teacher. Oh, um, Mitchell's? <laughs> Mitchell, yeah, it's Miss yeah. Mitchell. Uh, and, or David Lynch has some great experimental yeah, films. Yeah, of course. He did one, my favourite, there's six men getting sick six times and it's literally just this like animated loop of six heads attached to pipes and they vomit and the vomit goes into the pipes and comes back up and then they vomit again. Over and over, they do it six times, literally, and then that's it. That's the movie. Wow. And there's one called The Alphabet. Have you, you need to you need to just you can find these on YouTube. Just type okay. David Lynch experimental shorts, and they are was, fucking. Uh, there weird. was the one with the bunny rabbits, right? That was one of his shorts. I can't remember. The there weird was a little animated bunny. Probably, rabbit. absolutely, probably. There's one where they had this really vintage, like 1800s camera, and they got like six filmmakers to do a like a, a literally like a 10 second short film on it because you didn't have the like the film ran out in like 10 seconds. Yeah. And so they each got every filmmaker to just do one thing and David Lynch did this really weird, it looks like an alien invasion in the suburbia thing. It's genuinely bizarre. But uh, movies that follow dream logic yeah, also yeah, of course. do I like- not um, follow the hero's journey necessarily. Mm-hmm. Some, Wrinkling Time is a very interesting blend. Yeah, I was going to say. Because it is the hero's journey. Because like, some movies very do use them both. They go no hero's journey but also hero's journey. Yeah. Um, the fact that you say Wrinkle in Time does that makes me want to see Wrinkle in yeah, Time. It's very interesting. It's it's not like it's not a perfect. I don't think it's a, a perfect execution because it's a Disney movie, so mm. there's limitations in where it can go. Mother is a very good example of a movie that does not follow the hero's journey, not even in the least. Mm. God damn it! What the fucking movie I told you to watch? You know, don't it, Southland Tales. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I would say Southland Tales does and doesn't. Yeah, uh, and that's like. That's why probably I like the movie. Yeah, a so lot of things. Richard Kelly stuff is very yeah. unusual and changes because he pulls from a lot of experimental. Yeah, stuff. or anything with like sort of the antihero or yeah. like Good Time. 
basically. Good time. Yeah, mm. anti-hero stuff is very... But they like I think they're still essentially using the hero's journey to work against it. Yeah. Because mm. without the hero's journey there, it can't Yeah, work but it's it. sort of also teaching you how much you can empathise with a protagonist, especially yeah. if they're like that egregious, so... Yeah. yeah, so like yeah. Uh, like Breaking Bad is not a hero's journey mm. in in any way. What's another uh, Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and it, it follows like a very anti version of it. He gets the call. It's, it's like selfishness. It's like, yeah, it's selfishness. And like every yeah. it's it's if you took the hero's journey and then the character just made the worst choice imaginable instead of the best choice yeah. imaginable, then it suddenly becomes a really interesting yeah. thing. And that's what Nightcrawl is. He's presented with a call to adventure to do the news thing. But then he's like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move a corpse. I'm going to, you know, like all those choices that he makes. But that format almost relies on the hero's journey to exist. Absolutely. Uh, Eight and a Half is another really good one, uh, which is a more experimental surrealist. Have either of you seen that one? Uh, No, I've seen it on your shelf. And we've been told about <laughs> it because uh, it's good. Who's the director? Federico Fellini. Federico mm-hmm. Fellini, yeah. Uh, and it's really good in that it doesn't really make sense. I don't know why I like that movie, but I really like it. And the imagery is really, really good. But that movie follows, it's like a dream logic one. Mm. And you think there's a sense of a plot, but they just kind of fuck the plot off about halfway through. Yeah. And, like, and it does it for a real reason. Uh, Scott Pilgrim does it interestingly because I think like it technically is the hero's journey. Yeah. But in a real. I, I think because Scott Scott Pilgrim himself is a really flawed character. He is a dickhead, uh, and I think that mm. so mean to knives. Yeah, oh, right. so mean to everybody, especially in the source material. Yeah, okay. exactly. And I think the way they use the hero's journey in that is mm. really interesting in the sense that it's it's, it's like Nightcrawler, where he, Scott he doesn't found make... the power of self respect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also that like absurdist elliptical kind of stuff is more plays but like Samuel Beckett kind of stuff, the stuff that's not meant to really go anywhere. Mm. The point is for the characters to stay rooted. Garden State would probably fit into that. Yeah, uh, I find they can get really, really boring though because <laughs> yeah. the whole point is to meant to just show you the same loop over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you use it in your writing? Ah, in my writing or whoever's listening writing? The collective your yeah. and also the personal your. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I always use it as a reference. So like I will write out the, the plot of the story that I'm writing and then go, okay, now is this actually interesting? Because that's the problem. If you, and you see like a lot of student or short films do this, when they don't actually follow some sort of structure like that, if they don't follow a three-act thing, uh, a, th- a three-act story, it's boring, and that's the problem. It's not experimental; it's just boring. A lot uh, of student, like short films are sort of just a slice of life that like, they exist in this like microcosm of time. That's uh, slice true. of life, actually, slice of life would be yeah, that that's, one's that kind of elliptical thing. I think something like um, uh, the so like, Florida Project fits into the, mm, that kind of realm. Is yeah. really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys! Hey, what do you do? Have social lives and no. partners? No. Well, yeah, that. Well, yeah, but like no. <laughs> Uh, um, for me, I, I I sort of tend to use it as like a because I'll have a movie in mind or a story in mind, and I'll be writing. And then when I'm stuck, I'm like, oh, well, what have I done wrong? And I kind of use it as like a I, I see it as like a if you're a painter and you have like a, a palette and you have a bunch of different colors, I can pull from that, I can pull from that, I can yeah. do this trick, I can do that. Trick. It's like getting together, a bunch, yeah. of, like you said, it's like a bunch of tools to kind of use it. But I actually recently really got into Dan Harmon's Story Circle, which yeah. I was going to say is another great tool. It's a, great- it's a really great tool because it doesn't. As opposed to something like, and I love Save the Cat to Pieces, I will defend that book 
till my dying breath. But Harmon's story circle doesn't rely on setting an exact, this page, this has to happen, this page, this has to happen. He kind of breaks down the function of a story and he breaks down the hero's journey into a little bit more, less of a, yeah. s- less specific kind of thing. Mm. So I'm going to try and describe this over, have, over the yeah. airwaves. Oh, you got the thing? So, the- oh, you got it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you, you take the sort of the, the sphere, you take a circle and you bisect it across. Yeah. So you've got a top half and a bottom half. And those two halves, one is the world of order and then the bottom half is the world of chaos. And if you take the circle again, you slice it down the middle, uh, like up and down, the the right side is stasis and the left side is change. And basically the idea is that the story moves through order to chaos and then back to order again and the character moves from stasis to change. Yeah. And, so, and a really good example is Die Hard. The order is failing marriage. The chaos is a terrorist attack. His yeah. position of stasis is that he's um, uh, not arrogant, what's the word? Uh, stubborn. He's stubborn mm. and so if then so all the four quarters of the thing become he's stubborn and in a failing marriage, he's stubborn during a terrorist attack, then he has to learn how to not be stubborn. So he's not stubborn in a terrorist attack. Therefore, he can win the terrorist against the terrorists, move back, and now he's not stubborn in his failing marriage. And now we can fix that, which he doesn't because they're divorced by the third movie. Yeah, but, but if you take the single movie as a whole, and then the steps, the actual clock. So it's um, you I can need, mention. Oh, you got it. You, yeah, you, it's you, like a character in the zone of comfort, and then number two is but they want something. They enter into an unfamiliar situation, adapt to it, get what they want. Pay a heavy price for it, then return to the familiar situation having changed. Yeah, so and so. he calls the sepsis. You need go search, find, take, return, change. Sounds like he doesn't know how to speak. Does he know grammar? <laughs> um, but but it's really good. What I yeah. tend to do is it's a really good way of articulating the theme of your idea. So then you know, and you can literally take any scene you've got, and you're like, if it's not dealing with this, either cut it or how can I make it deal with this so then the scene becomes relevant. It's, That's good. I found it really useful in terms of making every scene matter in one of my in my writing. That's good. And then knowing my character's journey, but not saying this movie is about the deconstruction of humanity it's like no it's about it, it keeps it focused on a character it keeps it focused on those kind of things because a lot of that subtextual stuff i don't quite like working with in my writing i don't like this is a metaphor for trump or something like that unless you're doing like an outright satire like the death yeah. of stalin in which case yeah well like those sort of subtext like stuff so it doesn't really work unless if your character's weak as well so yeah, it's just like yeah, you can't yeah. convey and it so Harmon's story circle I found very useful and then I've paired it up with sort of another writing technique where it's like breaking down every act into sequences and sequences into scenes which so is breaking it down so then you, everything's a little bit more manageable. so you Voltron or writing style yeah yeah you Voltron <laughs> writing style um, another really cool thing have you have you, either of you guys heard the book The Writer's Journey no. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard of it. It's specifically yeah. for screenwriters and it mm. takes the hero's journey and breaks it down specifically in terms of writing a script. Cool. And it's by, oh God, I cannot remember his name, but it's really good. I read it in film school because they had a library. You, you'll probably have it in film school because it's a very well-known book. The front cover is like a maze. Uh, but they break down mm. the hero's journey in terms of writing a script, and then in terms of also your journey as a writer in writing a script and how <laughs> it should be. It's it's kind of this this two sort of parallel stories, but that one's really worth checking out. Uh, so yeah, there was anything else to add to that no. specific to that, no. to that or, no. or to the hero's journey in general? Um, I, well, I just want to reiterate how like it's not a hard and fast rule to stick to it. Yeah, you but you use it. Yeah. 
that that's the key thing to take from because I do know a lot of people who uh, won't like something because they're like, oh, where was this from the hero's journey? Like yeah. they look at movies as the hero's journey as a fucking like and if it doesn't fit that it's like a measurement and it's not a measurement no it's not a measurement that's it's, a, it's a series of colors you can it's add a lot of that. yeah it's a lot exactly. of gatekeepers and like you're, yeah. you're just and if you like, want to shoot your movie in black and white you shoot your movie in black and white like it doesn't need to be color all the time no everywhere. exactly experimentation that's the key yeah and i think a lot of movies i think that's why we're kind of getting a lot of duller movies is because they're so strict to this thing and they're not they're too afraid to fail. Yeah. And so by not mm. failing, they're not making anything worth watching anyway. Mm. And that's a lot of the problem is that, like, that's why I, I can appreciate Wrinkle in Time even more because it it tries something different. It doesn't yeah. quite hit it there, but I'm like, you know what, that's really bold choice. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Bold choices mm. make for more interesting experiences to me anyway. And I'll go with a movie that's maybe not 100% great, but it's really bold as opposed to a very generic hit all the beats that I knew it was going to hit anyway because I've seen this story format 500 times. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good place to end our main topic. Yeah. Uh, so cool. now moving on to top five and in in trending with what we've been doing, it's not just top five hero movies, it's top five heroes. Just anyway. Which is, a, this is definitely a hard one and very like uh, it, much. It was hard like determining what is a hero. <laughs> like also it's like, it's going to well, change. They can't be anti-heroes. That was yeah. sort of the main, yeah, can't be the main thing. They have to sort of be good people doing good things or trying to do good. Yeah, okay. Um, and I, I, I thought I have kind of made my picks based on some like characters that I thought had really interesting kinds of heroes' journeys. So they took on really interesting things. Yeah, sort of that. I didn't try and go like, uh, oh, it's I'll go for my honorable yeah, mention. Uh, I've got Chief Brody from Jaws. Yes. Yep. He goes from being afraid of water. Like, like that, that's such a great because the villain is the best possible <laughs> thing to put in his way. I just, mm-hmm. uh, that's such a good, good movie. Um, yeah, Indiana Jones. He's very yep. classic and he doesn't, his journey is really interesting because a lot of people kind of pay out Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark as being, if Indiana Jones didn't exist, the plot would exactly happen the way it happens in the movie. And that's true. But what makes it really good is that Indiana Jones' journey still works in the context of he goes from someone, he goes from someone who doesn't have faith to someone who has faith in the yep. supernatural. Yep. And it's a really, really clever. Even if in the third movie he's like, oh, magic, what's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sequels do tend to make problems. <laughs> well, the, the main problem, and I was, I was listening to an, in, I think it was Edgar Wright and he was talking about Hot Fuzz. And like the problem with doing a sequel is that once you've taken a character on a journey and they've gone through this change to this point, where do you go from there? They've changed. What's the point of going to them? Uh, have we done an episode on sequels yet? We did no. the adaptation. There is we something I want sequels. to bring up about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I got John Miller from Saving Private Ryan. Cool. Yep. Yep. Which is uh, uh, Tom Hanks' character. Yep. Uh, the Seven Samurai from Seven Samurai. Or Shinin seven? no Samurai. The, I feel like you've gone through the same website I did. I'm like, what's going on? cool heroes. Clarice uh, Starling from Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Ripley from Alien. Yep. Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Yep. And I don't know if this one really counts technically because the movies I don't think are as perfect as the books, but Harry Potter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can't, that's why he's in honorable mentions and not top five. Uh, so my number five is Neo from The Matrix. Yep. Yep, cool. It was so iconoclastic when it happened and yet it was so to a T, the hero's journey and like the Jesus myth and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Number four is George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah, of course. Should have known that coming from you. He's such a great hero. Uh, Number four is Juro number eight from 12 Angry Men. 
Have either of you seen Twelve Angry Men? I have seen Twelve Angry Men. I've seen one it. of my favorite. Well, movies. I think when I was so, a kid or something, but so it's good. one of those things. It's that stick with me. He's the one that it's the first to oppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's what's interesting cool. for him as a journey is that he's a character who doesn't have a name, and yet you still that, that's the power of that movie. Is that you just feel for it. Uh, number two, this will be an interesting choice. Is Giselle from Enchanted? Oh yeah, <laughs> she has such a great hero's journey in that, and the world, like the world of, ma- it's interesting because the world of magic she goes to is not a world of magic; it's literally the real world. She goes from a world of magic to the real world. Yeah, so they're just twisting. The, it's it's that movie's so genius because it's at the same time taking the absolute piss out of Disney and while the typical tropes Disney. while being such a typical Disney movie, and it does that balance so well, and that performance is phenomenal. And then my number one. This is no surprise to anyone who's heard more than a couple episodes. It's a failure from Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, yeah. Mm. That is such a oh, heartbreaking, yeah. beautiful hero's journey. And she, it's, she's really a hero in a very dark place. So yeah. yeah, of course. I love that. So, Josh. Okay. So, I didn't have any honorable mentions. So, my number five is Theo Farron from Children of Men, which is yeah. sort of like... Yep. He's, he starts out like a non-believer, like sort of refusing that call, but then sort of gets thrust everything upon him and like the death of his mentor and like all this other stuff. So it's like the sort of classical elements of the hero's journey. Um, but I thought he's, this is very interesting because the world is so like dark and decrepit and like everything everything's just not <laughs> going his way and it's like it's very on the ground and brutal and I thought that was a very interesting yep. hero arc. Number four is Samwise Gamgee because undoubtedly yeah. he is the yeah. hero. Not Frodo? No. Um, <laughs> yes. Fuck Frodo. Yeah, yeah. Frodo. Yeah, Samwise because he is there for your boy Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Sam is really the one who wanted to be there the least. Yeah, he's he sort of like he yeah. got he, he got Gandalf, Gandalf thrust him into it. He sort of had um, feelings about leaving the Shire. He didn't want to go, yeah. but then it's because of his love for his friends mm. and for his goodwill that he went on the journey, supported his friend. Share the load. Um, share the load. Literally, the load. literally became a ring bearer as yeah. well as Frodo. So he did that. He carried Frodo on his back, and through all he. Fought off Shelob. He always mistrusted Gollum because he knew something was mm. up. He was always by Miss Frodo's side. He always did everything by goodbye his friends. And yes, so that's number four. Good, yeah, that's a good hero. Yeah, yeah. It's a good hero. Uh, and then he's got a happy ending, so that's good. Uh, number three is Alan Ripley from Alien slash Aliens. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, they're the only aliens that matter. Um, good sequel de- character development, a hero's journey that functions in terms of sequel as well as the previous one. Yeah, yeah, of course, because it works with the PTSD element as well. Um, but yeah, literally um, getting frost in like the the worst claustrophobic nightmare situation you could possibly be. And sort of just working to, she's like a sort of survivalist, but then she becomes a hero. She champions the extinction of these like terrible beings and she wants to help people. And that's just awesome. Uh, number two is Atticus Finch from The Killer Mockingbird. Yeah. Because uh, how can you not? One of the. See, oh. I was never raised on To Kill a Mockingbird in the way that I feel like literally every other child in the world was. <laughs> I wasn't raised on it so much. I just sort of just like self-discovered it and like pushed myself to like read a novel and watch a movie. And Gregory Peck, it's just oh, it's great performance. Great, great performance. Um, what about Ghost Set a Watchman? <laughs> you know, have you read it? I, I haven't read it, but I know about it. Yeah, I only know about it. They I basically ruined Atticus Finch and say he's a bit of a racist. Oh, brilliant. No, I want to read it. And like the Fuck. whole crux of it is, is that the only reason he defended the black man so well is because he's a really good lawyer and he didn't want to lose a case. It's not actually because he's altruistic. 
<laughs> it's so yeah, bad. That is That's brilliant. Just terrible. It's hilarious. Um, anyway, but um, number one, undoubtedly, is Clarice Starling. Yeah. Um, because she is a champion. She is intelligent, resourceful, and very committed to um, just doing her job. And she does it well. Um, Remember that time Shane said, oh, we're going to do it this way so we don't have crossover? Yeah. Bad idea, Shane. Bad idea. Well, yeah. it's, we're going to get a crossover, but like, it's <laughs> like you and I just love yeah. Science of the Lambs and Hannibal. Quick bro, quo, Clarice. <laughs> He so, said, I can smell your can. <laughs> oh my God. Sounds the musical when I start singing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my heroes, uh, Chanster. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I only have one honorable mention, okay. and that is uh, Wallace Ritchie from The Man Who Knew Too Little. Have okay. either of you seen this? No. Uh, so it's a Bill Murray. That's a Steve uh, Martin movie, though, isn't it? Is it? The Man Who Knew Too Little. It's Bill Murray as the main character. Oh, okay. Steve Martin huh? do anything else on it? I, I don't know. see his name. Probably you not. are wrong. Bill Murray. Um, <laughs> Where, yeah, essentially, because, like, I like a hero who doesn't want to be a hero. That's why I love Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. Um, but the, he's to the point that the entire movie, even at the end when he's, like, saved the world, he still doesn't realize he's the hero. He is. He, he thinks it's a whole game. So he's just, like, fucking around, having fun, and it just so happens that he's saving the day. Mm. Uh, he, he never thinks his life is in trouble because he thinks it's this whole thing because he... It's kind of like uh, the setup to um, uh, Game Night where he goes, oh, you know, an interactive thing where I get to play a spy. Yeah, sure. He'll pay. So he pays for it. Oh, and then okay. it turns out he accidentally gets washed up into this huge spy plot and he just thinks it's a whole game. And even at the end, still doesn't realize. It's like um, a narrative version of Mr. Magoo. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Um, so... Uh, I had to put someone in Lord of the Rings as number five. I had Samwise, so I got rid of Samwise. I'm going to say Merry and Pippin for the same reason that I love Samwise. They have a really great journey. They have a great journey that's like next to Sam and Frodo's. Yeah. And I think they have a really interesting journey. And I love what Peter Jackson did to their characters in the film Mm. because they're very different in the books. They're not as fun. What about Leventy's breakfast? (laughs) I can't remember if that scene is in the book. I like how they grow, like not just in the archetypical way, like being like, oh, they're becoming heroes, but they're sort of like growing as like people, like they're mature as well. They're they're the characters that I think grow the most next to Sam, mm. um, whereas Frodo doesn't really do anything. Bilbo, I would argue, is also the same. Bilbo in The Hobbit, he grows a lot. Frodo sort of regresses and becomes this pained, like tortured character. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's my number five. Number four, I've put Finn from Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Because he is kind of running away from it the entire time. That's how much of a reluctant hero he is. That's true. And even at the end when he finally steps up, he gets his ass kicked. The the unnamed soldier. He he is the unnamed soldier. Um, (laughs) It's a reference to another podcast that neither of us was on. Uh, My number three is Ellen Ripley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Just because her character in that first movie is just doing her job. She's doing her job, yeah. She's doing her job and then it just... I'm on everything. vacation. <laughs> yeah. I should have put the guys from Clerks. Um, but yeah, I, I just love everything about Ripley in Alien yeah. and Aliens. I I actually like her in Alien 3. Um, mm. Alien Resurrection does not count though. Well, it's not her. It's not her. It's a no. clone of her yeah. um, who says fuck instead of fork. My number two 
is Clarice. No, fuck it. It's Will. It's Will. What's his name? Graham. Will Graham. <laughs> it's Will Graham now. Okay. May have been Clarice Starling. But now I'm saying Will Graham. <laughs> just because. From what? Uh, from Red Dragon. Because uh, you fucking the suck, Shane. <laughs> oh, you hate the movie. From Manhunter that I haven't seen. <laughs> we, he has the one of the best theme songs. I can play it for you after we're done. Oh, please do. It's, it's um, so yeah, even great. though I haven't seen it, I'm going to say Will Graham from no, Manhunter. No, it's, no, it's, uh, I, I, I've got it. I just haven't watched it I'll yet. I'll support you on this. <laughs> Good. Because um, although I think Clarice, Clarice is more of a hero. Mm. She is pure and good and all through Hannibal and Red uh, Red Dragon, all through Silence Lambs and Hannibal, okay. she is uncor- incorruptible and that's her thing. Whereas Will Graham, on the other hand, is more on that edge mm-hmm. of could slip at any moment to the dark side of cannibalism. Um, <laughs> and I, th- I think Will Graham is a, a, far more, an, a far more interesting character than is Clarice. Is the main character from Hannibal, the TV show? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh okay. Hannibal so, the TV yeah, show, I was which say, I like, also you haven't could, watched. You could have Will Graham from one of those, just not Ed You haven't watched the TV show? Look, I ha- don't have time and I really I wanted care, to, to watch it did. I when Clarice comes in, but apparently they're that's, not doing that anymore. That's going to be like four years, man. It's like, not even going to happen. It, it may happen. Brian Fuller's... Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I might get Maybe. into it then. There's, there's, <laughs> there's a little twinkle of hope. And my number one pick, okay, which is, I think... He becomes more of a anti-villain recently. Anti-villain. A- anti-hero, sorry. Um, so a hero. Yes, <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs> anti-hero. Um, but from the beginning, he, I, to me, he is like one of the ultimate reluctant heroes is Ash Williams from Evil Dead. Yes. Because yeah. yep. he is a coward definitively yes. coward <laughs> and i don't think they did so much in army of darkness but specifically in ashes evil dead he is more uh, an anti-hero with his cowardism but in evil dead and evil dead 2 he is a coward who has to save the day yep he's back in time in uh, army of darkness but I, I just love that character of a cowardly hero he's, you don't yeah, see he's enough. cowardly he's like sometimes a bumblefuck but most yeah he's like well, pretty- what, i forgot someone, they said it was the uh, the cowardly the cowardly badass. That's who mm. he is, which mm. I really love. That's a cool archetype. Lots of badass. Well, cool. that's a good place to end it there. Being cowards and saving the day. Yep. <laughs> Thank you all for like listening. The cowards, <laughs> uh, if you like this, please subscribe and please leave us a rating and a review. It helps us get our podcast out there and tell your friends to subscribe to us because we really want more viewing numbers. Uh, In fact, you can uh, advertise us on your bodies by checking out our merch (laughs) store. We have a merch store, yes. Yes. Does anyone know the website? Because we didn't write this down. I do not, but I'll put the link up on on the Facebook page, Mighty Motion Picture Rangers on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. Uh, and you can email us at, my, at motionpicturerangers at gmail.com if you have any questions or fan art or something, I don't know. Send it to us, even if it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll open it live on air. We'll open it live on air. It's like, it's like and a, just describe it. It's like it's a box of anthrax. It's just <laughs> powdery, very... Nice consistency. <laughs> there, there's a there's a letter filled with white locks of our hair somehow that they've <laughs> secured. And photos of me, Josh, and Chance just sleeping. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at that Sundance Katie or Caps and on Instagram at underscore that Sundance Kid. And you can just follow me at Instagram at the Chance Star. 
Thank you all very much for listening and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We need a hero. There's got to be something and got to be something who's got to be fair for the fight. missile we have at that godforsaken mothership and pray to god that it works no none of these ideas are going to work i've got it what we need to do is tell every citizen to leave their homes naked and just tell them to have sex with toasters in the street the aliens will be so confused they'll just sort off if you'd like to see the alternate takes on political issues ranging from big to small subscribe to a new world order podcast at www.thatsnotkindofproductions.com forward slash a new world order Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.